Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific stocks are trading largely in the red this morning, following another night of selling on Wall Street. The Nikkei down 1.3%, sold trading marginally lower, investors there returning from a one-day holiday. Sydney's also hovering around the flat line. Investors will have their eyes on the U.S. Capitol this morning as U.S. President Joe Biden prepares to give his State of the Union address, which is set to begin in less than an hour. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Wang. Morning, Michelle. World attention continues to be focused on Ukraine and Russia's invasion of the country. Explosions have shaken two major cities as Moscow is hitting civilian areas with increasingly powerful weapons. A 65-kilometer-long military convoy is raising the possibility that Russian forces will try to encircle Kyiv. In the financial markets, the reaction is clear. Stocks are falling, energy and commodity prices are spiking, and investors are switching to safe haven assets like U.S. bonds. Phyllis, what is the mood in markets this morning? Yeah, it's been back and forth in the past few days as we just see investors react to headlines and the latest headlines are not that good. So you've got markets down on, on Wall Street overnight. Let's take a look at the headline numbers. The Dow was lower by 600 points or 1.8% in the red to 33,295. The S&P 500 and was down 1.6%, and the Nasdaq Composite down 1.6% as well, snapping a three-day winning streak. And if you look at the top losers overnight, it was the financial stocks. And that is with the backdrop of investors flocking to the safety of sovereign bonds. So across the board, you've got the investors just jumping onto bonds and bringing down those bond yields. And that is seeing, for example, the 10-year bond yields down by nearly 10 basis points to 1.7%. So that is just weighing on bank stocks. For example, if you look Mm. at where we are for Bank of America, down 3.9%. Wells Fargo off by 5.8%. Charles Schwab tumbled nearly 8%. American Express was one of the biggest losers in the financial space, down more than 8%. On the flip side, we had energy names uh, among the top gainers. In fact, the energy sector was the only sector in the green last night. And that is alongside how oil prices are pushing up to seven-year highs. You've got WTI up by nearly 10% and is now trading around $106 per barrel. And that is seeing the likes of Chevron up nearly 4%, Exxon up 1%. And that seems to be pretty much what's being digested by investors, how all these sanctions and implications for the economy could just mean uh, a tougher outlook for many of these businesses. But, but of course, there mm-hmm. are some winners with the backdrop of how some uh, of these cost pressures could be uh, beneficial for these sectors. Now, the Dow suffered its second worst session of the year overnight, falling 1.8%. The sharp pullback in bond yields, meanwhile, is weighing on banks. JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America, each slid nearly 4%. And as you mentioned, all prices have surged to their highest levels in seven years, with both Brent and West Texas crude trading at around 105 US dollars a barrel. So two questions for you, Ryan, about oil. First, the US and Europe are not banning oil purchases from Russia. So why? Why are oil prices spiking so much? 
Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think the one big reason is how the current equation is just so uncertain right now because we've seen sanctions being rolled out mm. and additional sanctions on top of previous sanctions. And this is just making things quite uncertain. So to some extent, I think you've got a lot of these traders in the oil sector just trying to be safe and avoid anything to do with Russia right now, even though officially they are not sanctioned. Um, I think you've got also some of them thinking, hey, I don't want anything to do with Russia for their own various reasons. And they are just avoiding doing business with Russia. And I think that is just adding to the tighter supply in the oil market. And I think uh, you've got that playing out right now. Oil prices pushing seven-year highs. And this is just compounding the earlier situation of how the oil supply situation is already so tight. And of course, what's going to be in focus in the coming day is the OPEC Plus Summit. Uh, This is where you've got the meeting to decide what will be the policy come April. Will they push forward with more return of supply to the markets? For now, going by reports, they are not going to do so. So that could also be fueling the rise in oil prices. Okay, to follow up on oil prices, the US and other nations have agreed to release 60 million barrels of oil from their reserves, 60 million barrels. So will this be enough to offset Russian production and maybe stem the rise in oil prices? Okay, it looks like um, going by what market watchers are um, adjusting to, it doesn't seem like they are expecting this to be enough. And this is um, going to be in the backdrop of how we are expecting potentially significant disruptions to the energy market because of the supplies from Russia being disrupted and also what's happening in Ukraine in terms of the deliveries going through Ukraine. So all in, it doesn't seem like that will be quite enough. We've been talking the last few days about multinational companies that are cutting their ties with Russia. Visa and MasterCard have joined the list overnight as the payment giants say they will block Russia from their networks. Now, who else is joining the growing Russian boycott list? Okay, it's becoming quite a long list. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see if I can cover all of them. And I have my eye on first the space for consumer goods. And this is where Apple is at the top of the list. They have started to well, stop selling its products through the Apple store in Russia. They have also listed all uh, of its products on the online store as unavailable for purchase or delivery in Russia. And they have also removed the Russian state-controlled outlets RT News and Sputnik News from its app store around the world except for Russia. So that is what Apple is doing. You've also got major Hollywood entertainment companies like Walt Disney and Warner Media pausing the release of new films in Russia. Um, banks also not doing business with ru- many Russian banks. So the likes of HSBC, Sok Gen in France, South Korea's Shin Bank, among those just winding down their relationships with a host of Russian banks. Visa and MasterCard also blocking many Russian financial institutions from the network. Automakers have also had to suspend their uh, car shipments to Russia until further notice. And of course, many parts and components come from Russia itself. So they are also stuck in terms of the supply chain. They don't have enough of those materials to make cars to some extent. And you've got a aircraft leasing firm, Aircap, saying they will stop leasing activity with Russian airlines. Uh, deliveries will also see some disruptions. Shipping giant Musk uh, will be 
temporarily halting all container, container shipping deliveries to and from Russia. So across the board, across various sectors, it is just uh, seeing sanctions play out. Now, Ryan, one more interesting corporate story related to Russia's invasion. Apparently, Microsoft has found itself caught in the middle of this conflict just hours before Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine. Alarms went off inside of Microsoft's Threat Intelligence Center, warning of a new dangerous type of malware aimed at Ukraine's government and banks. What happened next? Yeah, so it looks like uh, they saw this coming to some extent and this was in the form of what they called a never-before-seen piece of malware called Wiper or they've named it Fox Blade. And this is um, something they picked up on their detection systems and um, this apparently has the power to wipe data on computers in a network. So it's pretty much going by the Russian playbook Cyber Warfare, uh, preceding an actual or physical um, invasion. This is what happened back in the Crimea annexation as well. Annexation as well. So this is something that is being, um, in a way, repeated. So something that is also seeing the stock prices of cybersecurity firms going up. Very interesting. In fact, the White House has asked Microsoft if it would share what it knows of this code um, because there are fears that this malware could spread to perhaps the Baltics, Poland, European nations and cripple military alliances or even hit West European banks. So it's an interesting development. We'll keep an eye out on that for you, of course. All right, moving on now to corporate stories and the Singapore headquartered e-commerce giant C-Limited. Its financial earnings not looking so good. In fact, it is sinking deeper into the red. Why exactly? Okay, so you have to look at the earnings uh, quite closely and this is where you have losses for last year widening to $1.5 billion from $1.3 billion the year before. And a major issue or reason for that is how they had to spend more money to make money. And this is uh, seeing expenses go up as they try to expand overseas. So that was the main reason. So operating costs uh, rose 106.6% to $5.5 billion. And sales and marketing costs made up more than half that amount. Um, Even though we saw the likes of the Shopee platform driving up its revenue to uh, $1.6 billion. So that's up 89% year on year. You've got just expenses eating up all those um, higher revenues. So not enough. And if you look at some of the um, potential numbers to look at, some of these include the analysts' estimates. They were calling for revenue of $2.9 billion in the fourth quarter. Uh, it only came in or it came in above expectations at $3.2 billion, but sales was not enough to make up for the higher expenses. Especially in sales and marketing, apparently. So C's revenue is up, but the company lost $1.3 billion in the last financial year. Investors sold off on the shares. C shares dropped 13% overnight. They are now down 50% over the past year. So Ryan, what do you think needs to happen to turn C's business around and really brighten its share price, shall we say? Well, in short, it needs to make more money than it spends. So that's the easy part. Um, but maybe one way that could attract investors back into the stock again is 
looking at how they can turn around the growth rate again. So it has been slowing down to some extent. So it's got a couple of headwinds, uh, notably in the gaming space. It had some obstacles in India with its Free Fire game. That was banned and they are uh, looking set to see a bit of a slowdown in the gaming space. And that, of course, is a bit of a synergy play with the Shopee platform in terms of digital payments and e-commerce. So something that is posing some headwinds to growth expectations. So that could be one front. And also maybe new markets to look into. In fact, um, overnight, we had reports about how he had to pull out of fronts from the Shopee um, business. It is going to be exiting fronts or checking out fronts by the end of the week. And that was a big market that it was trying to expand into. Mm-hmm. But just months after trying to do so, it has to put a stop to those plans. But maybe it can look elsewhere, like in Latin America. And if it does do well there or expand reasonably with its growth rates, uh, it could start to turn around. All right, next up in corporate news, Salesforce, it is reporting better than expected earnings and has issued some upbeat guidance. What is the latest there? Okay, so you have a beat on both the top and bottom lines in the fiscal fourth quarter earnings. And that is saying earnings per share of 84 cents versus the consensus estimates of 74 cents. Revenue was expected at 7.24 billion, came in higher at 7.33 billion. So that is just showing how Salesforce is putting in another solid quarter. And the other corporate news that investors were digesting is Brett Taylor. He has been appointed as co-CEO alongside Mark Benioff. So all in, another solid quarter for Salesforce. Just um, a reflection of how companies are just adjusting to a more digital business landscape. Now it's time for some local corporate news, as well as some macroeconomic trends to be aware of. And for this, we're going to turn to up or down. Ryan, South Korean exports, up or down? It's going to be an up for me. So the data for February shows exports for South Korea jumped 20.6%, so boosted by overseas shipments of chips, autos and other key products. Yeah, South Korean exports growing at a faster rate than expected, really, up 20% in February. So do you think, Ryan, this could present some good buying opportunities for South Korean stocks? It could be interesting to watch um, because we've heard about how there's going to be a crunch when it comes to the supply of things like chips. Um, But at the same time, you've got... Korea itself having to deal with supply chain problems. So the chips they have to make, they rely on some parts elsewhere as well. So that situation is still quite dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Russia and many parts of Europe, um, that is possibly going to see a bit of a slowdown when it comes to the economic outlook. So it could also mean um, a drop in business demand for those chips as well. We've already heard from some of the car makers saying they will have to suspend their shipments or manufacturing of cars due to um, the shortage of parts as well as the situation in the Ukraine crisis. Mm -hmm. So that is just a lot of moving parts for you to look at if you are thinking about going to any South Korean stocks, at least in the tech space. Good point. Next up, I want to look at China factory growth, Ryan. Okay, that is an up for me. So you've got factory activity expanding slightly in February Mm -hmm. as new orders improved. So that is seeing the PMI at 50.2, so still above 50 and a touch above the previous month of 50.1. Now here at home, locally listed Golden Agri Resources, looking like an up to me. 
that is off the back of what we've been seeing. Higher commodity prices and Golden Agri benefiting with a 71.2% growth in net profit to $438 million for a second half ended December. Wow. So Golden Agri's second half profits up more than 70%. Next, let's look at MedTex. All right, MedTex. Um, that is going to be a down for me. And net profit for the full year down 87% to $17.3 million. So a couple of things happening here for MedTex. Mm. Decreased demand and margins for its PPE or personal protective equipment and face masks. So a factor of higher competition, a drop in demand. So that is playing out with, for example, lower average selling prices for its PPEs. So that is coming off a... also a boom year. So you have to take that into context as well. It really uh, did well in the COVID initial years and now it's just coming off a higher base. Indeed. So down from MedTech's full-year profit tumbling 87%. Now next, let's look at a company called V3. It owns OSIM and TWGT. It is in the news because it is eyeing an IPO. Not in Singapore, but Hong Kong. Uh. So that is... After many years of speculation that it would be um, trying to raise or make an IPO, but it looks like now the time is right. It is finally uh, making its way to Hong Kong. It's applied for an IPO. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is under the V3 Brands Asia name. And we don't have much details yet. The details, the pricing details have been redacted. So maybe in the coming weeks, we will get more colour around the IPO. In the meantime, I think there'll be a lot of interest in uh, V3, owned by Ron Sim, an investment holding company wholly owned by the V3 Group, V3 Brands Asia. So, made an application to the Hong Kong Exchange. We'll have to look out for its global offering. Now, the owner of OSIM and TWG, they've also been reporting stellar profits. They more than doubled for the nine months ended September. And we might ask, though, why is V3 listing in Hong Kong and not here? That is always a good question to ask. I suppose uh, it could be the usual reasons um, why people go to Hong Kong. You know, the um, expectations that the investors there are more in tune to the business. It could also be a factor of how they want to expand more in China. So it could be a greater China play as well. So you have to ask Ron Sim why. So that is going to be a, maybe an interview for you coming up. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, listen out for that. Before we get to local markets, Ryan, do you recall that container ship filled with Porsches and Lamborghinis that was drifting out to sea? Well, it sunk. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That was, um, Uh, I think, 4,000 Volkswagen vehicles just sitting helplessly on fire. I think they're trying to rescue it, but I don't think they managed to do so. From fire to a watery grave. Very sad. Now, let's turn to Singapore now. We are 23 minutes into the local trading day. Bargain hunters stepped into the local market yesterday. They bid up blue chip stocks. The Straits Times Index closed up more than 1% at 32.78. Jardine Cycling Carriage led the way on the back of a strong earnings report. So how is the SDI trading this morning? Yeah, it looks like the bargain hunters had enough shopping because uh, they are now down right now for the STI. You've got the Straits Sums index lower by 0.4% at 3,265. So pretty much tracking the rest of the region after a negative handover from Wall Street overnight. And looking at the 30 constituents, you've got the banks in the red. DBS down 1.6% at 3388. You've got UOB also 
not too far behind, down by 0.7% at 30.16. OCBC down by 0.9% at 11.63. So pretty much tracking the um, sentiment around financials overnight on Wall Street with the drop in bond yields. That is just reflecting a slower or gloomier outlook in the days ahead. So something that's weighing as well across Asia in terms of the financial space. Let's take a look at where we are for the top of the table. Yang Zhejiang shipbuilding is up by 2.8% at $1.48. Some analysts have been quite optimistic around its um, prospects off the back of some contract wins. Jardin Second Carriage is in second place up 1.9%. And this is followed by Sankorp Industries, SGX and Phases. Logistics and Commercial Trust. A lot of good stuff there. Thank you very much, Ryan Huang. Coming up, are you curious as to how the wealth professionals, what they're saying to their clients? Well, we get an insider's point of view in terms of client advice in light of market volatility and a closer look at how the crisis, the Ukraine crisis is likely to affect markets, not only in the immediate term, but in the long term. That's coming up at 10.05 in Money and Me with me, Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.